Lady Ada, what is this? Hey, everybody, and welcome to Show and Tell. It's me, Lady Ada. With me is Mr. Lady Ada. I'm broadcasting live here from the Ada Food Factory. That's the factory behind us. Um, we're here on the factory floor, um, but it's nice and quiet right now. Everyone's gone home so that we can do Show and Tell, inviting all these people virtually into our cyber house to show off what they're working on. We're going to start off with some Adafruit peeps, and we're going to go on to some folks from the community. Let's kick it off with Jepler. Oh, yeah, what's going on? Hi. So we were inspired, uh, if you want to bring up my screen, by uh, these pictures that you see with a lot of app archived Apple software for Apple II and for Mac. The, this is a screenshot of Applesauce for another piece of software for imaging the floppies. And here it's actually showing a floppy that's been damaged because somebody ran a magnet over it, and that's the area that's all black. So we thought this could be an interesting tool to kind of understand uh, a disk image in a different way than you know, just seeing a report in your program of bad sectors. This is another one from Applesauce, and it is showing the uh, copy protection scheme of Apple II floppies called spiral tracks. You can see that the data kind of starts here, or kind of starts here, and then at a certain moment it shifts out, and then it shifts out again. And if the if the software reading it doesn't have the right code to emulate that, then it doesn't work or it doesn't uh, copy. And so I wrote some software that does a similar thing, but with files that are written by Flux Engine and Grease Weasel, and it's up on GitHub. I'll put the link in the Discord chat in just a minute. So this is an image of a DOS floppy, I think. Um, and you can see like the track, I don't know if you can see my mouse pointer. Yeah. But yeah. These, these common lines everywhere are like where a sector begins, and then the tracks go from the outside toward the inside. And this not a map is... of like where to camp at Burning Man? <laughs> no, hmm. no, absolutely not. This is from a Commodore floppy. Uh, this is, again, a simulated image. But what's interesting about Commodore floppies is um, this is mostly blank. You can see a little bit of data in the center, which is the directory. And then at the outside, the markings are one distance apart. And as you go in, those distances shift. And that's called a triangular format in which a varying amount of data is stored. Uh, so you store more in one revolution out here than in one revolution in here. So they got like 10K more on their floppies yeah. as compared to Apple II. This is Yay, such a cool visualization of this stuff. It, it's interesting that it's also art at the same time. Um, it looks like an unreleased uh, album yeah, from Joy know, Division. In fact, there is, I have to dig this up. It was great. There's an Apple II program that when you visualize it like this, it shows an image kind of up here. And then when you load it in your emulator or heaven forbid on a real Apple, it loads up and it shows the same image on the monitor. Oh, so cool. they, they are on your wavelength and they've done yeah. that. This is so neat. It's a very Aphex twin. Yeah. Yeah. And then I'm not sure what this one is. We'll just skip over that. I think that's another DOS disk. It looks like a DOS like yeah. copy. And then I think it's oh, a 720. Shoot. I thought we had a Macintosh disk in this. I will drop the picture of the Macintosh disk also in the Discord chat. Yeah. Um, and the link to this software. So if you like download uh, an SCP file or another file that uh, is understood by Greaseweasel, you can load that in. Or if you have a Greaseweasel hardware, you can image your disk and then actually literally create this image and see That's what's so up. Cool. So, yeah. All right. Well, great work. And thanks for sharing the code. And um, where can folks find out more about this in addition to the chat? Are we going to have a guide? Or are we going to put a thing? We up are going to have a guide eventually. Yeah, um, yeah this is, this is pre-released, but it's going to be part of the Adafruit floppy when we have the right. already. Mm -hmm. Yep. Okay. Thank you so right, much. Thank you. All right, Liz, you're up next. What did you build this week? 
Hello. Um, my battery just died on it, but um, is a wireless. So it's a wireless remote um, that has a rotor encoder, and I've just got a keyboard event viewer. I thought that'd be the easiest way to show it. So yeah. um, I hopefully. Um, maybe you should come back to me, actually. Yeah, I will. We also are showing the video. You made a really neat video um, on Ask an Engineer. So no matter what, the world's going to see this, but I'll come back to you in a little bit. Okay, cool. Thank you. All right. Melissa, you're up next. How are you doing? Good. Uh, so I what I have here, well, I'll start off with a little background first. Uh, I have been working on updating the Raspberry Pi display drivers here that uh, what we currently have is the uses called what's FBCP or frame buffer copy. And so I've been updating them to use a new uh, MIPI display driver. Uh, so it, it basically uses the same driver for all the displays and you just give it like the initialization commands and everything. And what I have here is one of the, uh, the TFT bonnet here, which uh, this one's actually a little bit harder because you had to do, it has the display backlight off by default. So I know for sure the driver's working because it's turning on the display driver, uh, the backlight on that. And so I have worked and I currently have tested the, uh, the regular Pi TFT, the one with the larger screen on it. And I've even done, uh, where, I lost it. Oh, here it is. Uh, this one, little one here, and then, of course, the TFT bonnet. And um, so I'm kind of working on that now. Okay. Uh, good progress. I think especially since uh, you mentioned at some future um, uh, 5 kernel, 518 or whatever, they're going to discontinue the current uh, TFT module. And so we'll have to move to this anyway. So might as well get it started working on it now. Exactly. Um, uh, I did have to update the uh, Raspberry Pi to the kernel 5.15 for this to start working, but it was actually pretty easy to do. It's just one command. So. Okay. Yeah. For the people who want to be futuristic, they can try it out. So this is actually running on uh, Buster, which is the previous release. So even that one works with the new uh, kernel update. All right. Great. Thanks All for right. the update. Thanks, Melissa. All right. Next up, I'm Pedro. What you got going on this week? Hey. Hey, folks. Yeah, so, oh, I guess I can't share my screen, huh? <laughs> oh, oh access. boy. Yeah, you're going to have to go, Pedro. <laughs> well, I, okay, this? so we'll do a little preview of what we're doing next week. This is a little connection machine. Yay. So, of course, coded by Phil B. He's got some really nice animations in there. A couple more that he sent over that will be loading up for some hero images. But this, uh, you guys actually went and checked it out at the uh, MoMA. We did. Or this is an actual size one and you're giants. <laughs> so, so uh, it's a, yeah, so it's a Raspberry Pi uh, case. You can see on the inside here, everything's wired up. So nice little uh, Octoprint is what I'm going to use this as. Of course, it can run on Pi or a little Pi Pico. Yeah. Like a, let's check a Python. Um, and on the inside, we have the little Charlie Plexus. So we have the black LED acrylic on there. These guys just slide in and out. Oh, that's great. Completely modular. I'll send you guys once you can check it out. And a lot of the detail that Phil B really wanted in there was like all the vents inside here. So you got like these yeah. cool little triangular vents. Yeah. And then all the grids on the top. And uh, yeah, 
nice little fun there's no reason our our computers can't still look like this we can still design things that look like this we can have right. we have plenty of space they don't have to be gray we can, slabs they can, be gray, they can be gray blocks with leds coming out the side multi cubes hypercubes yeah. All I right. think Noah's got uh, what we worked on last week. Yeah. Um, so yeah, last week we did a MIDI foot controller. So this is a little uh, 3D printed foot pedal. Uh, you got a little cutie pie in there and just one potentiometer. So it has like a little linkage. So you can get some nice range and some expression when you're playing um, whatever MIDI controller. So that's a really fun one. Uh, and then this week we did a little kind of product video for the new ESP32 V2. It's got a bunch of new features, and we got it running um, Whippersnapper right now, the beta version. And we're just pulling in some data from our little AHT20 temperature humidity sensor. So check that one out. Really fun one. And then uh, we've been prototyping a six-panel uh, cube. So right. this is another Philby collab. So we got the uh, the Raspberry Pi 4 inside, and this cube's massive. Um, so... Uh, so it's it, it's got this globe demo right now that's rotating the globe, and you can kind of see the uh, the orientations are all correct, and the uh, what would you call it? The mapping is all nice and working. There's Antarctica. This is really it cool. Is the North Pole. Everyone yeah, wanted so to make these for a while, and so I think with the connection machine, and then this, folks will be able to get all the parts from Adafruit, and then be able to make you know that that cool cube animation project that was always always really hard to hard to do. Yeah, there's an accelerometer in there too. So the next demo to get is uh, the uh, the pixel dust. Yeah. So we'll have some some fun All right. sand soon. Good work. Yay. All right, we'll be All showing right, some of the videos from your um, show from this week and then uh, looking forward to the show next week, of course, because uh, I guess that's when you're going to be debuting the connection. Yeah, for okay. sure. All right, okay. cool. cool. Thanks so much. Bye, folks. All right, Phil B, you had something to do with some of these projects. A little bit. Yeah. That, that, that matrix cube stuff that is like the hardest thing i think i've ever done as a project here. wow that's actually cool. saying a lot too because we've we've collectively done some really hard projects yeah. and it's so hard that we make it easy for others so we have to go through all the like okay another human yeah. might have to use this collaborating with with uh, the ruiz bros um like i i did the math and there's something like 120,000 plus different ways you can arrange six LED matrices, and if you run, you know, if you put it together wrong and run run the software, it's like your, your globe isn't going to work. And yeah. so I was working with them how to make this completely foolproof that you get all six faces all assembled the correct way, like easily. And yeah. so they they it's going to be a three D printed thing, and they they're doing it, and it looks awesome. And it won't be like solving a Rubik's cube with you know yeah forty trillion wrong ways to do it. It's like, here's how it goes together. But um, I've been working on the connection machine code uh, that they yeah, took. I wanted that case forever. So I'm like really happy we're working on it. Um, let me switch to the overhead. I'm just working. I'm, uh, is this going to work? There we go. Yeah. I'm just working on a breadboard. I don't have the fancy case yet, uh, but I can still write the software. And so like one of them is... Uh, this was a pattern uh, in Jurassic Park. There was a CM5, which is like a later model, but it was running this, this shifting bit padding pattern thing. Uh, so that's one of the demos we had to do. Um, just random blinking lights. Yeah, this is when it's like thinking. Yeah, and uh, actually that's based on CPU load. So if I run like PyLint over here, you can see 
I don't know if it comes oh, through. On... Nice. Yeah, a little tougher. Okay. Yeah, it's like it's it's uh, grunting there for a moment. So that'll react to what you're doing on the computer, and then uh, also working on a, a music. You gotta have the music visualizer. You know? <laughs> yeah, of course you do, oh, right? Yeah, maybe Lamar can sing the the new song. New, 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 new. I can't tell if it's reacting, but it might be. be the sirens outside, too. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. New, new, uh, new, new, new. Yep. But anyway, uh, got those all working. Those will be part of the project. And what I'm going to do, because, you know, raspberry pies are hard to come by right now, is if you have a raspberry pie Pico, I'll do it. just one of the demos will run on a Pico. So you can at least do some blinking lights for now. And you can upgrade to Pi later if you want. That's the plan. I think that's very kind of you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Olivia. You bet. All right. Also, it could be good if you have like a single board computer or like a little mini, mini, mini ITX. So well, you want to have a computer in there, but it doesn't have I2C, then the Pico could, you know, do the blinking lights for you. Yeah. Or um, the, the, FTDI things we have that can do the yeah. protocols. Yeah. Um, they only have one I squared C port though. So that's why the Pico is tough that, to be. Yeah, because you, you can only have four of these matrices on, on one bus. So yeah, Pico has two buses, so we can do all the matrices. Okay. All right. All right. We're right, gonna Liz. go back to Liz now. Thanks for all right, thanks, Philby. Right. Always blink. It's so much blinking lights going on there. All right, All right, we're back. So I chased away the gremlins. Um, and now, uh, so basically this remote has two modes, kind of like a streaming control mode and then another mode where you can uh, control Doom. Uh, so for the streaming mode, you've got, you've got space bar, uh, F for full screen, um, down is mute. Um, then you can go forward, backward, and then control volume with the scroll wheel. Honestly, you should have this web page linked from the guide because this is like the most useful thing I've ever seen. I actually just found this, um, so I will I will throw this in the guide. Yeah, um, I like that it, it gives you the history too because like most yeah. sites only tell you what you currently press, and you're like, it doesn't do multi, you know, it doesn't do yeah. multi too well. Yeah, it's really cool. Uh, so then on the side, there's a little switch, um, and when you do that, you got the Doom controls. So when you do uh, press here, that would be uh, firing control left, um, movement up, down, right, left, and then also strafe um, left and right. Uh, so yeah, um, so folks can like change up the key codes if they didn't want it to be these specific shortcuts. Um, and I also made it so that it's kind of like a little wearable pendant, um, and it fits nicely in your hand too, fits nice and curved. Uh, so learn guides up now. All right. All right. Thanks so much, Liz. Thank you, Liz. Next up, we're going to go to, I'm going to go to Matt the Maker, and then um, I think uh, I'll get some folks on deck. After that, will be Michael, then Foamy Guy, um, or 2231 Puppy, because I think Matt the Maker is doing kind of a, a mobile one. Hey, Matt. Hey. All right, let's try this out. You gave me a heads up that uh, so, you're going to show a mobile version, so let's, uh, let's see how it goes. All right. Uh, I volunteer at my local food pantry. Uh, I started when I was 18. I started building things for this place in 2018. So this is the number machine where you um, either text our phone number with the randomly selected fruit of the day, and you'll get a number and an order link. Or if you don't have a phone, you just stand, uh, put your hand over it, and it prints out a number for you. And then... This is my um, Raspberry Pi that I use for remote access to take care of everything. 
So if you don't have um, a phone, we'll use the form stack link on our computer and fill it out for you. And I use pushover to keep track of like giving out numbers and submitting um, orders. So see, I just submitted uh, my yeah. order. So uh, now I'm gonna walk out front and uh, show you the number sign. So I have a little trouble with my number sign sometimes. The um, you'll see what I mean. See where it like glitches out a little bit. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what the cause of that is. So if anybody does, let me know. Well, um, it's kind of like an art project then. Yeah. Oh, look at that next number. And then um, you walk in front here. Sometimes the door sticks. So you got to pull it hard. And then you get your we, your order would be packed already by the time you get in here. And then you come through and pick from different things what you uh, want. We got pet food and baby food. And uh, this is the remote used to advance the number sign. So when you want the next number, you push this. And this is what the number sign is. It's a, a Raspberry Pi 3 and the LED matrix hat. So and you come through here and this, this is our client freezer where people pick what they want from here. And I have one of my um, alarms on it. This is like the basic model where it just has a thermocouple coming inside. And um, I have, then we go to the packing room and that's where I work. Um, so we have a fridge alarm, a fridge alarm. Uh, freezer alarm. Now these ones have door sensors because all the other ones have auto closing doors. And if you leave the door open on this one, it doesn't necessarily close all the way. Um, the LEDs on the fridges are tied to the temperature. The LEDs on the freezers are tied to the door. Um, and it will change color. And after five minutes, it'll send a text. Uh, sometimes when we're loading the double door freezers, the alarm would go off. So I put motion sensors on them to reset the um, timer so that if you're here loading it, they won't go off. And I'm gonna see if I can show you uh, one of them. Yeah. Nice. And then, um, so here's the packing station. So you can see I pushed over here too. And then I come through and my order is an email. And then I open it. And then one person packs this side, one person packs this side, and I offer some extra choices which show up on the bottom row. Yeah. And then this is where we pack from. All right, Matt, Sweet. excellent demo. And you know, one of the things that I think that will be really helpful is in the future, when someone says, what can all this IoT stuff do uh, for you know my home or what can I do for this? And this is a really good example of helping others. Um, it sounds like you're able to be really efficient with a small staff and probably not a ton of resources and operate a food bank. I also like that they're solving like problems as they come up. So you're yeah. like, 
This this freezer doesn't have an auto closing yeah, door. So we have a motion sensor. So that this does one, a reset. Yeah. yeah, this one needs a special sensor, yeah. not just temperature sensor, but a, a door sensor. And that's that's how it is. Like there's never like whenever you're actually running a factory facility, it's always like, oh yeah, the, the, the fridge freaky, manufacturer is not going to make this for you. Yeah, the freaky fridge, and it's yeah. like you know if you talk to the fridge maker, they're like, oh, we'll replace the whole door for you, but it's like three thousand dollars. Yeah. Yeah, that that happened um, a few months ago. One of our freezers started acting up my alarm started going off and i was looking at the graphs and it was not operating for like four to eight hours at a time and then it progressively got worse over a series of weeks until it finally froze over and died but at that point it was completely empty because everybody trusts me here <laughs> yeah yeah i think right. they do you're like the terminator you come in and well, you're just like that freezer is going to die and then it dies like three days later. Well, thank you so much, Matt. And again, thank you for um, volunteering for a food bank and using your smarts to make this um, a, a really good thing for so many people. Yep. Okay. Bye-bye. Right. Cool. Bye. Bye. All right. All right that, was Next. that was a mobile. That was good. Mobile Matt the Maker. Okay. We're going to go to Foamy Guy and Michael and then 2231 Puppy. Um, so if y'all could just keep it to a couple minutes, we could still get to everyone. We have plenty of time. All right. Tim from All right. Hello. Uh, so I am uh, working on this week some stuff with Display.io. Um, and I basically made a helper that uh, does the concept that's on this learn guide page, the multiple tile grids page, where it's taking this three by three tile grid and uh, blowing it up to a larger size by just duplicating the center tiles. And so I've made a helper. Uh, that makes it much easier to do this. So we don't have to manually fill in all of those tiles. You kind of just give it your uh, either an image or even a, um, a path to an image. Uh, one of these ones is a path down here. And then you give it the target size. And if you want to set some transparencies, you can do that. Um, so I don't know exactly which library this makes the most sense in, but um, this is kind of the helper for this tile grid inflator is what I'm calling it. And it's basically taking these really tiny um, sprite sheets, like this one's 33 by 33, and it's blowing them up to larger sizes by repeating oh, the centers. Yeah. Um, and then the real like reason why I went down this road uh, is actually this tab layout thing, which I'll show real briefly as well. Um, this is like a new uh, type of layout that will let you just add uh, more tabs to it. And then Ooh. it has the current tab is active and you can change the text color and you can also change the um, background uh, because of this tile grid inflator we're able to change the bitmap uh, on that as well so this is kind of the project that i built that helper for um, and then i'll uh, also mention real quickly as well uh, this week on the deep dive we're going to be doing like an episode about uh, library development and uh, i'm going to have katney on to chat about that so we're going to if okay. anybody's interested in getting involved in library development uh, this friday is a, a really good week to catch the uh, the deep dive Right, and it's uh, five p five p.m. Eastern, two p.m. Uh, Pacific. Pacific. Yep, that's right. All right, well, all right thank, thank you so much, you, Tim. Yep, yep too. Right. These tabs are cute. Uh, we're gonna go to Michael. Michael, welcome. Hi, back. how are you guys? Hey. Good. Yeah, so the past few months, I have uh, been learning how to like design my own circuit boards, which is pretty exciting. Ooh. Um, so this is a project I'm working on. It's like. This is a board I designed. Let me switch my camera here. Um, I just have some test code on it, but the idea is that it is a NeoPixel pyramid thing. So I designed these boards and got it fabricated through uh, JLC PCB. And then I actually uh, hand soldered all the components onto it. Uh, and it's running off the AT Tiny 85. 
And I actually use the uh, Adafruit um, ISP to program it. And it's awesome how a product like that old, can, like the guides are awesome and they still work. Um, so yeah, and yeah, so it's gonna be a part of like, like an this installation. This is cool. Right. Well, 3D is in. Even with um, you know this over a webcam and uh, on show and tell, this looks really neat. So uh, take some photos. Uh, you know my email address, pt.adafruit.com. If you have, put them up online or if you um, show any of uh, how it's made, would absolutely love yeah. to get on the blog and more. I plan to have five of these for like an art installation and they're going to be like hanging from the ceiling um, using like a fishing line type of thing. Oh, and cool. I think it's going to look pretty interesting. So yeah, I'll, I'll send you an email once I have everything documented. Yeah, and come back if you do some footage of it and everything. And uh, LEDs are always a little challenging to take uh, good photos and video of, but that's part of the fun. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. All right. Good work. Thanks. All right. Nice work, Michael. All right. Two, two, one, two, two, three, one puppy. And that's a cool radio shirt. Yeah. What's going on? Hey. So I've been working on a multiplayer video game that I'm designing and I needed a random number generator for map generation and authentication and all that. And I could use the built-in one. I'm writing it in TypeScript from Node. But that's insecure because it's not real. It's pseudo RNG and that's not secure and it's boring. boring. I, could, I could use an API to fetch a real RNG um, number, but that's reliant on a third party and also boring. Boring. Yeah. And so I had some sensors lying around. Like uh, I think I have a, what do I have? I want here? exciting. A, P a PCT uh, 2075 and an LPS 3X from Adafruit. So um, temperature and barometric pressure. So um, I made a thing. And here it is. Let's see it. Using a Pico, Boom. some STEM QT, some bad soldering. Um, and yeah. I, bad soldering is not boring. At least it's not boring soldering. And this gets yeah. uh, random numbers based on sensor information, which is which would be truly random, right? Yep. And I'm going to share my screen so I can... So I had these sensors and I plugged them into the Pico and I put U2IF on the Pico. So if I share my screen. Oh, cool. Yeah, as soon as I see it here, I'll add it. All right, uh, one sec. Um, ah, allow. All right. All right, let's see this randomness. So this Whoa. is my code. And you can see I'm, I'm setting some environment variables for U2IF. I had a problem getting it to connect, so that's why this is here. But um, I'm importing everything I need, and I'm creating the I2C. I'm setting up the sensors, and here's my function that gets the seed. Uh, so I'm, I'm basically using this to generate a seed that I'll use in random number generation. So these, And if you look down here, you can see... Those are pretty random. Yeah. I think and what would be really cool is if your game actually used the sensors. Like if you are in, like you want to go into the ice cave, you actually have to turn the temperature down <laughs> in your room and the sensor you will be like, colder. you're now cold enough to enter the ice cave. Or the other way around, maybe you have to like heat yourself up so you can survive the ice cage well, by the having goal, a, a higher temperature. Yeah. The goal is to have this like on my back end and it's a multiplayer game that other people will just play on the web. Yeah. So, yeah, but they could have like the environment, you know, because there's always like, oh, like fog comes in. Like you play games and there's like rain sometimes. It would be cool if that was like actually happening where your server is, like whatever is going on. If it's humid that day, that could there's be cool. fog in the yeah. game. The yeah, I might actually do that. Think of is there's a website called random.org that uses, that'll deliver you random numbers based on weather information. 
but you have to use their yeah. site. You made like a portable uh, microcontroller one that anyone can make and just pop into their server or pop into their computer and have their own random generator, um, including your own game. That's really cool. Yeah. So right. I'm planning on open sourcing this because why not? And Yay. yeah, I, I, I basically have two of the same sensor here, but you know, variation. So, yeah. all right. Well, good work. Have Let fun. us know. You know how to get a hold of me um, if you want uh, us to put it in a newsletter or put it on the blog and get the word out. I'm sure some folks are going to use this for all sorts of things that you didn't even think of, which is one of the best reasons and fun to uh, do open source is you never know what's going to ha happen with it. All right. All right. All right, good work. Thank you. We finished on time. Too. We did. All right. Thank you so much, everybody, for making this the best 30 minutes of the week when we get to do show and tell, which we do every single week in some way, shape, or form, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Wednesday night's show and tell. Thank you for making this long and longest-running live show and tell on, on planet Earth that we know of. Other planets? Not so sure. Don't know yet. No Not idea. Yet, but I have a feeling if there is another show and tell and it's on another planet, one day... If we can all get together, we can have an interplanetary show and tell. That'd be cool. The type of folks that are here doing the show and tell now are the type of folks that are going to make the inter interplanetary show and tell possible. Okay. All right. So we'll see everybody on Ask an Engineer in just a few minutes and uh, see you next week. Thanks, everybody. Bye bye.